0: Well, I want to begin this morning with a question. Uh, what does God's voice sound like to you? What does vo- God's voice sound like? Uh, we have lots of voices in our heads, uh, I'd imagine. Or I have lots of voices in my head. Do you guys sometimes have voices in your heads? Or, or, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> voices of doubt or fear, voices of mistrust. Uh, Voices of hope, voices of blessing, voices of love. What does God's voice sound like to you? And when he speaks, how does he speak? What does it sound like? And the bigger question may be when he does speak, whether it be through his word or uh, through some revelation to you, do you do what he says? That might be the bigger question. And what do you have to do what do you do if you have to wait for what he says to come to pass? That's what I want us to consider today. And I thought I'd begin uh, just, I asked a couple people to help, to help me out here. So I'm just going to ask Sonny if he'd help. And Sherry Esko is going to help me here real quick. Just to help me think a little bit, help us think a little bit about this. Sonny, can you help us? What does God's voice sound like?
1: That's a big question. <laughs> It's um, something that I think I've been discovering in my life. Um, and I know even as a kid, when I would go to church, and I would, like, feel his spirit desiring to really draw me to himself. And I think that was the first call, really, of, of maybe his voice, if you will, in his spirit. A couple of months after I, uh, I got out of high school is when I really heard his voice to come to me come and know me and and that's when I gave my life to Jesus uh, at that point and at then it's like he comes and dwells in me and any of us that know Jesus he indwells us in his Holy Spirit and so I think one of the great things about that is now we have the author of the word living and dwelling in us. And so as I would read his word, you would just, I just, just feel in me this quickening, like, yes, that's true. That's right. And his word became alive to me. And so I hear his voice speak through that. And, and then later, you know, I would think that I would actually hear him speak to me. Right. Yeah. And you know, the Bible says that his sheep know his voice. Um, so I think, you know, I do need to be learning his voice as he leads through life. And, you know, sometimes I'd get it, I'd, and then sometimes it's like, man, I really thought I heard from the Lord on that. You know, thought I did. Man, missed it. You know, but, I, you know, I think we learn as we, as we continue to grow older. And, you know, recently, um, and, it's, and it's the strangest place is really when you would hear him speak. And I just think this is so cool. It was a Saturday morning a few months back, and I was out on the street doing some leaf blowing, and uh, of all things. And it was just as plain. It wasn't like, you know, what we hear, Craig, or if I'm talking to you, you hear my voice. But in my heart, in my spirit, I know uh, that he spoke to me. And he just said, tell my church I'm coming soon. And so it was just a little while back, a few months ago, that I shared that with our church. And so, you know, Shared it here, yeah. yeah, sure it, yeah. Did, I sure did. It was like, I, Lord, if you're saying that I need to, I need to speak it. And, um, and so today on the way in, uh, uh, when I was on my way here, I saw Craig's text and it was like, Hey, how about, how about this? And so I thought, well, Lord, is there anything that you want to share today? Is there something we need? to? And it was just like, no, the same thing is true. I'm coming soon. And that's, you know, I just want to invite you to continue to listen. If you hear his voice, I remember this, it's like harden not your heart, you know? Listen to him and receive that word and um, all kinds of ways that he has spoken to me. I love Stoney's response, you might want to.
0: Which one, what, which that part with, of his response? Well, the
1: first one where he said, he goes, well, God speaks through my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like, amen. He did That,
1: <laughs> that was a good one. Amen, Miss Becky.
0: Uh, Sherry, what do you think? What does God's voice sound like? I'm going to ask you two questions. So that's the first one. What does God's voice sound like?
2: First of all, God speaks to me through nature, and I always sense the greatness of God through nature. It's not a time I'm not standing on a beach where i see the vastness of the ocean and i'm not heavy weighted i feel the greatness of Mm god um interestingly what my next what i wrote down was um in worship this is all my piece of paper in worship i feel the goodness of god and both songs today we sang about the goodness of god and when i engage in worship i sense the goodness of god God doesn't speak to me in paragraphs. He gives me about three or four words. Maybe that's all I can handle. I like, I like directness. So he comes to me in that way. And it's not audible or it isn't for me. I think God can come to all of us in different ways. It's always It's always sweet. It's always kind. It's always calming. It's never shameful. He never speaks to me in a shameful way.
0: Talk about, uh, has there ever been a time where you've heard God's voice and you had to wait? um, And maybe you waited and maybe you didn't wait. What was that like? You heard God's voice say, this is going to happen or I want you to think about this. And then you had to wait. What was that like? This is a bit of a
2: story. Um, Forgive me for looking at my notes, but it's about a four hour talk. I'm going to give you the (laughs) four minute version. Don't worry. Um, So, people take different roads to Christ. Some people take the very straight road, and some people take a more windy road, and the kingdom needs both. Mm -hmm. The kingdom needs both of those people for us to to reach out, and the windy people can relate to those who are searching for God. Um, That was really the story of Michael and I. I was more um, straightforward, an early believer, didn't question a lot, read and believed, didn't take what anybody said for granted, but really got in the Word. My love took the windy path, and there was a lot of prayer around that windy path. This the prayer. This prayer was about a nine-year span, and. Um, He was raised in a Christian home, a godly mother. That woman was as close to God as anybody I've ever known in my entire life. He went to church with his siblings. Um, As he grew up, he, he met people who called themselves Christians, and he didn't like what he saw. He was very turned off by people who claimed to be Christians but didn't live a life even striving. So you can maybe imagine how that manifested itself in our relationship. I prayed a lot, I cried a lot. We argued a lot, I adore this man. The only thing we argued about was Jesus. The only thing, not money, not how we were gonna build our home, Jesus was the thing we argued about. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I cried, and I prayed, and I cried, and I prayed, and I knew God wanted this, like, I know you love him as much as you love me, and I know you want this, and it was just a very slow, slow road, but love bears all things and believes all things, and I knew God loved him more than I did. So we were at a point where we were actually going to two churches, the one he picked and the one I picked, every Sunday, two different churches. That, that was our, you know, my solution. Okay, we'll go to both. We'll, we'll get you double-dipped every day. Didn't help. Made it worse. <laughs> made it worse. So then we decided to pick a happy medium. Was in between where we both were. And so we walked in the door. God placed a woman in the lobby. I remember l- looking at the threshold and thinking, okay, we're starting a new church. We stepped, literally, my foot went over the threshold and somebody said, Michael Esco, and <laughs> ran across the lobby. I'm going, okay, you got this. I know you do. Still a long journey. So we were there, I got into women's Bible study, I had women praying, you know, shared, shared the story, slow going, they said, we're going to pray and wait. We're going to pray and wait, that's what we're going to do. And so he said, you know, I think I want to sign up to pass out bulletins when people walk in. He went to the website, signed up, they assigned him to the parking lot. And I said, everybody's got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> So what that led to was relationships. It read, it led to a a men's group. It led to a a couple's group that we were at one time. He was actually in two groups and going to church. I mean, he was learning, he was in the word. He was hearing from somebody besides me, right? Such a blessing, such a blessing. And that really led to his awakening. His true awakening. He knew who God was, but he didn't know God. It led to his awakening and his baptism. God showed himself in so many incredible ways. But it was the path God had orchestrated for Michael. And it was hard. It was hard. And, you know, I asked God if um, there was anything else he wanted me to share with y'all today, since I was going to have the microphone. <laughs> and he said one more thing about this story that I want you to think about. I, I answered your prayer, but this wasn't a nine-year prayer. The Lord reminded me this was a much longer prayer. It was a prayer in addition to my mother-in-law's prayer, who started long ago. To bring him to Christ. And as I said, I adored her. We would sit around the breakfast table and talk about Jesus, her, me, and Michael. And it was glorious. And she prayed for her son long before I came even into the picture. And in God's timing, both of our
0: prayers were answered. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks, honey. Thanks, Sherry. Michael, thank you for letting Sherry tell some of your story. So what about you? If if we had the chance just to take every, you know, just to, hey, okay, hey, so, okay, what about you? Come on up to the microphone and, you know, what if I said, Joe, come on, tell us about what the voice of God sounds like. Or Todd, come up real quick. What does the voice of God sound like? Or Mikey, come. What would you say? Tell the person sitting next to you what you would say. What does the voice of God sound like to you? Tell the person sitting next to you what you would say if we called on you. Go for it. It's pretty quiet. If you said you're not sure, or if you said, I don't know, I just want you to know that's okay. Uh, There's not one way in which God speaks to all of us. Even these two stories, we could hear differences in the way that God speaks. His voice doesn't sound the same to everybody. One of the beauties about having a personal relationship with God is that he speaks personally to you. And the way in which he speaks to you is going to minister to you. And it might not be the same way that he speaks to the person sitting next to you. So, however, you hear God's word, however, you hear His voice speak to you, I want to just encourage you to celebrate it. The bigger question might be what do you do when you hear God's voice? How do you respond to Him when you hear His voice? If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Genesis chapter 25, verse 19. Last week, we started this sermon series called The Voice of God, and it's this series where we're going to explore how God speaks and what his voice sounds like, and maybe more importantly, what do you do with what he says? At the end of the world's greatest sermon, Jesus, the Word, said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as one of the teachers of the law. Last week when I asked, does God still speak? A lot of you raised your hand and said, yes, he still speaks and I still hear him. A better question might be, how many of you do what Jesus says when you hear him speak? John, the beloved, said in the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was with him in the beginning and through Jesus all things were made and without Jesus nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The word, Jesus, is previous. Before you were knit together in your mama's womb before you were fearfully and wonderfully made before God had good works for you to do in this world God knew you and God loved you it wasn't just a casual knowing it wasn't a generic knowing it was a personal knowing it was a precise knowing before you ever thought about loving God God was loving you God was previous God is previous and his will shall prevail in the end. Genesis 25 is a story that includes the voice of God. It's also a story that includes a couple voices, a husband and wife, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. It's a story that makes it clear that God is previous and it's a story that makes it clear that God has the final word and it's a story that makes it clear that God is present in the present. So Genesis chapter 2 Oh, sorry, chapter 25, verses 19 through 26 says this. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel the Aramean from Paddan Aram and sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless, and the Lord answered his prayer. And his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. And the babies jostled each within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? And so she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. And when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, and so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. We've talked a lot about this family over the last several months, so I trust you remember some of their story. Ultimately, through Abraham's line, uh, Jesus would come. That was the promise. We've talked about that a a bunch. There's some twists and turns along the way, some stops and starts, and then a couple thousand years later, Jesus finally comes. But this portion of the story focuses on Isaac and Rebecca. A couple of really important pieces of context that I want to make sure you get. Verse 20 tells us that, Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca. Remember that. He was 40 years old. The previous chapter uh, in the story, Genesis chapter 24, it's actually the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, and it describes how Rebecca and Jacob, uh, Rebecca and Isaac get together. It's an amazing story. Maybe you can read it uh, after lunch, but here are the last couple of verses of chapter 24. I just want you to hear this for context. Uh, then the servant... I uh, told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebecca. So she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. I think this is just really cool. I want you to notice that the writer of the story wants us to know that Rebecca was loved. Uh, it's evident that Adam and Eve loved each other But nowhere in that narrative do we see that word, love. This is actually the first time that the word love is used in a husband and wife relationship in the Bible. Um, Let me just give you one other just crazy reference to their love story, the way that Isaac loved Rebecca. This is uh, Genesis chapter 26, verse 8. A long story, crazy story, but... Anyway, this is how verse eight goes down. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. He's caressing her. He can't take his hands off of her. He loves her. Look at verse 21 again, just for a moment. I wanna read it from the New King James Version. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. The message this morning is as much about God hearing your voice as it is about you hearing God's voice. I wonder how many of us husbands plead before the Lord on behalf of our wives. Isaac knew the promise, like Isaac knew this whole thing. He knew the promise, Uh, new nation, his dad, Abraham. uh, That meant that Isaac was gonna have a part in this whole childbearing thing. Isaac would know that story. Uh, Children would be a part of his story, he knew it. But the way this is written and because of how Isaac loved Rebecca, I think Isaac is pleading for her, not for himself. He's pleading for Rebecca simply because he loves her. And he, she, he knows that she wants to have this child and he would know that story. He grew up in that house, right? Uh, he grew up in a house where his mom and dad waited a really long time for him to be born. And it's clear that Isaac was close to his mom. Maybe uh, you caught this, but here's just a question to see if you were paying attention. Uh, how long did Isaac plead? Did you catch this? Uh, how many? How many? 20, you did catch this, 20 years, that's exactly right. Isaac was 60 years old when he, when Rebecca gave birth to the twins. He married her when he was 40. Anyone here ever plead for 20 years? Any husbands ever stood before the Lord for 20 years pleading that God would do what their wife wants just because The husband loves the wife, pleading for 20 years. I know some folks around here who have pleaded for years and years over a lost son or daughter, pleaded over sickness like cancer or mental illness. There's a guy in our church who's been pleading for a very long time because of an addiction that has such a hold on his beloved And he pleads because he loves. That's the heart cry. I don't think there's any higher calling as a husband or a dad than to stand in the presence of God pleading on behalf of your wife and children. And I don't think there's any calling higher for a wife than to stand in God's presence pleading on behalf of their, her husband and her dad. And then to do it together for a family to huddle up together, for a family to stand in God's presence together and say, God, we need you, we need you to do it because we love each other. There could be no more intimate act than that. Isaac doesn't take matters into his own hands if you know his dad's story you know his dad stopped waiting he gave up after a a while he said I just can't wait any longer and then this whole story with this woman named Hagar uh, Isaac doesn't do that he pleads and he waits Sherry he pleads and he waits Sherry said those girls prayed and they waited they waited and they prayed I bet many of you are familiar with that prayer that Sherry prayed, that space of pleading and waiting and waiting and pleading. In a season of pleading, a friend shared with me a life-changing truth for me, game changer. He said, if you're waiting with God, then waiting is okay. But if you're always waiting on God, you'll be frustrated. Big difference. Anyone here waiting with God? Or are you waiting on God? Can I invite you just to wait with him? If you're waiting and pleading and pleading and waiting, could I just invite you to wait with him? And allow him to wait with you. In seasons of waiting... Or in seemingly seasons of silence, has there ever been silence? Like you've been in a season of silence and you just said, I haven't heard him. In seasons of waiting or seasons in silence, I rehearse what has already been told. I I rehearse what I've already heard, what is already true. In seasons of silence or mystery or doubt or I'm not sure if God's speaking, there's a couple of passages of scripture that I always fall back on. The end of Psalm 91 reminds me that he loves me. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Or Psalm 121, been praying this as long as I can remember. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand and the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will watch. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. If you aren't hearing God speak, This is how God's speaking. This is his voice. In seasons of waiting with God, we wait with him, with his promises. Well, let's go back to verse 21 in Genesis 25. Isaac pleads with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebecca conceived. Oh man, it's party time, right? I mean, this is it. The thing that he's prayed for, the thing that he's pleaded for for 20 years has finally happened. It's time to celebrate. Not so fast. The babies jostled. Another word for jostle is struggle. The babies struggled with each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Can you imagine Isaac? Why is this happening to you? It's happening to you because I've been praying for you for 20 years for this to happen to you. What are you complaining about? This is awesome. And she's saying, this is not so awesome. She's saying, this is not cool at all. The babies are jostling. They're struggling with each other. The Hebrew word for struggle means to crush or oppress. She's sensing that something is going on here that may be way bigger than pregnancy pains. And she's saying, why is this happening to me? I would imagine that most of us have asked that question, why me? Anybody here ever asked that question, why me? Why me? Why me? That's the the helpless question of the hapless bystander at best and a victim at worst. I don't think she's asking that. I don't think she's asking, why me? I used to read the scripture this way. I don't think that's what she's asking. I think more poignantly she's saying, why this? What about this? What do I do with this? It's not why or me, it's this. All right, God, what do I do with this? What's going on here? There's something going on here that's way beyond pregnancy. Why this? And what do I do with this? Rebecca, who had tried for 20 years to have a child, accepts that life is a struggle. But she's starting to ask a deeper question. Why this? And look at the next line. She decides to inquire of the Lord. She wants to know what is God up to here? What might he be saying about this? How might God interpret this unusual struggle in her womb in the framework of his will. What is he doing? And God answers, he answers her prayer. The Lord said to her, okay, here we go. Two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Nations are in my womb, no wonder, I could hear her say. No wonder the struggle, there's nations in here. The two nations are Israel and Edom. We know this, the Edomites, the Israelites, two people be separated from one body. But this isn't normal. There isn't anything normal about what God said. He said that the, weaker is gonna serve the, uh, the stronger is going to serve the weaker. The older is going to serve the younger. There's nothing traditional about that. There's nothing cultural about that. God is saying that this isn't going to be like everybody else. I'm doing something significant here, but it's not ordinary and it's not like everyone else. And this is what happens. Israel and Edom, they fight. And Jacob and and Esau, the older one, ends up serving the younger one. But can I just say, Rebecca decides to take some things into her own hands. Rebecca hears this promise and by the way this is the way that it works out in the end but Rebecca tries to kind of help it along but she doesn't help it along at all with love. This story is full of deceit and jealousy and favoritism and mistrust. What God says will come to pass whether you partner up with him or not. But Rebecca and her favorite son, Jacob, they fight and contrive to control and they miss out on the beauty of God's will happening on earth as it is in heaven. Let me just share one last illustration before I close. In a sermon entitled, Our God is Able, Martin Luther King Jr. tells this story Almost immediately after the Montgomery bus protests had been undertaken, we began to receive threatening phone calls and letters in our home. Sporadic in the beginning, they increased day after day. At first, I took them in stride, feeling like they were the work of a few hotheads who had become discouraged after they discovered that we would not fight back. But as the weeks passed, I realized that many of the threats were in earnest. I felt myself faltering and growing in fear. After a particularly strenuous day, I settled in bed at a late hour and was about to doze off when the telephone rang and an angry voice said, listen, expletive, we've taken all we want from you before next week you'll be sorry you ever came to Montgomery. I hung up, but I couldn't sleep. It seemed all my fears had come down on me at once. I had reached the saturation point. I got out of bed and began to walk the floor. Finally, I went into the kitchen and heated a pot of coffee. I was ready to give up. I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing to be a coward. But in this state of exhaustion, when my courage had almost gone, I took my problem to God, my head in my hands. I bowed over the kitchen table and I prayed the words... I prayed uh, to God aloud. The words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory. I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right, but I'm now afraid. People are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength, they too will falter. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I have come to the point where I can't face it alone. And at that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced him. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth. God will be at your side forever Almost at once, fears passed from me. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. The outer situation remained the same, but God had given me an inner calm. Three nights later, our home was bombed. Strangely enough, I accepted the word of the bombing calmly. My experience with God had given me a new strength and trust. I knew now that God is able to give us the interior resources to face the storms and problems of life. I think God wants to hear your voice saying the truest thing you know how to say to God and not being satisfied until you hear an answer that makes it possible for you to pick up your head off the table and go on. I think God's voice is continually saying to you and me, come on, come on, come on. To walk with him, to be with him. Regardless of what we've done or where we've been, he's calling you and me back to himself. And I believe there are times where he does speak and he says, okay, let's go. I'm with you. I'm for you. But it's not gonna be in the traditional way. It's not going to be normal or ordinary, and it's most likely not going to be safe. And if you're going to go, I'll go with you. Will you trust me? You can hear God say, will you trust me? Will you trust him? Whether you hear his voice or not, will you trust him? As we close, I'm just gonna ask Sherry if she'll pray for us. Sherry, just pray as God leads you to pray, but would you just pray for people that may be in that space of waiting? Just pray for those guys. And then I just wanna invite you all to respond, just however God may be leading you to respond. Sherry will pray and then we'll just have some time where we'll just be quiet, we'll just be still. And then Sonny will lead us in a time of worship and I just wanna invite you to respond. However, God might be leading you to respond. So let's pray together. Jerry.
2: Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll give us the faith to trust you completely. I pray that those who need to hear your voice right now, that they will hear, they can find a place to be still or maybe even while they're out blowing the leaves, that they can hear your voice, Lord. Give us the boldness to demonstrate our trust by letting go of the timing and the outcomes. You are almighty and all knowing and all powerful and nothing compares to your strength and nothing compares to your love for each one of us, every person here in this room. Lord, you know us personally. You know our comings and goings and when we wake and when we sleep. And you know every step we will take before the journey even begins. Sometimes that journey is hard and it's uphill, but you're always there with us. Every step. Every step. And you've already prepared the way. Give us the courage to wait with you, Lord to wait with you, to wait with you. Help us to search out the quiet places where we can hear your voice. Help us to see you plainly when you move. Help us to give you the praise and the glory when that happens, because that will serve as a reminder as we wait that you are moving always. I say it again. You know us and you love us more than we can even comprehend. Help us to believe that. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.